The final case was presented by a member of the audience. My name is Blanche Mavromatis. I'm an oncologist in Western Maryland, and I'd love to present this case. Sure. A 41-year-old female, a nurse in our hospital, who was referred to me initially because of cervical lymphadenopathy. She had had a history of Hodgkin's disease at age 20, so about 21 years prior. It was a stage 2A at the time, and she received mantle radiation, no chemotherapy. The cervical biopsy was benign, maybe related to EBV disease, but incidentally on a PET, she was found to have an abnormality. It turned out to be a 1.3 centimeter, poorly differentiated, ERPR negative, her to new negative, P53 positive tumor. Where was it? It was in the breast. So is that where she's at right now? Or? That's where she's at right now. This was two days ago. So any particular questions you have about her? I guess this is obviously a very aggressive tumor in the setting of prior radiation. And the questions are, what would be the ideal chemotherapy? She's obviously interested in any clinical trial that might be available in the Maryland area, for example. So let me go back a little bit. Was she participating in any kind of screenings? For- she was not. So that definitely brings up another issue that's yeah. very important. And I think that's a big educational issue for patients who are cancer survivors, especially women who receive mental irradiation and at age younger than 20 or between 20 and 30. The risk of developing breast cancer is humongous, significantly increased, especially for those radiated younger than age 20. It is very high for those radiated between age 20 and 30, and is essentially not there if you receive your mental radiation over the age of 30. So this is someone that should have been referred for screening. Whether it would have made any difference or not, we don't know. So Skip, how would you think this thing through differently because of her past history? And we don't know lymph node status yet. It's negative. Oh, so lymph nodes are negative. You know, I, mean, I agree with everything you said. I mean, everything about this has a poor prognostic ring to it. And I think in the setting of having prior radiation, you're certainly going to be limited in thinking about it, and hopefully wouldn't need to incorporate that. I would give them the best that I had for what I've got available right now. I like the idea of non-cross-resistant sequential therapy. This would be a patient that I give four cycles of AC followed by four cycles of a taxane, do it dose dense or do it weekly taxol. To me, the sounds of this, the way it came up, this would have been two centimeters tomorrow and who knows what next week. Just everything about it sounds bad. She's young. So you're not going to get the benefit of her two therapy. You don't get the benefit of hormonal therapy. So I'm giving her everything I got. So Would she be eligible for the ECOG 5103 trial? She yes. would be eligible because she has a tumor that is bigger than one centimeter. Right. Can you go through that trial? Her history of Hodgkin's? Oh, yeah. Well, she's... It's more than, she's more than 20 years old. I don't recall. It depends on the time since the diagnosis of but Hodgkin's. But that's a great thought. I mean, I think enrolling her in the Bevacizumab trial would be... You're an ECOG. What's the trial design, Antonio? So the E5103 is the randomized trial of AC paclitaxel with or without bevacizumab, a three-arm study with one arm as control and two arms, one being six months of bevacizumab, the other one being 12 months of bevacizumab, beginning with the chemotherapy. And the eligibility for the study is patients with node-positive disease, but also patients with node-negative disease if high risk. And I do believe that with a 1.2 centimeter triple negative tumor, she would qualify for the ECOG-5103 study. In that study, she would have a two-in-three chance of being randomized to bevacizumab arm. Do you have access to clinical trials? We've just become ECOG community members, but we can't open all the trials, and at the moment that is not open. Sure. Do you think that she would be potentially interested in a trial, particularly, and I can think of three adjuvant BEV trials. You've got the ECOG study. At the You've got the new tic-tac-toe study. We'll ask you guys to talk about that. 
TAC versus TC versus TC BEV. So that's another BEV trial. And then there's the Beatrice, Beatrice study, yeah. which is just for triple negative chemo plus or minus BEV, right? Right. And any chemo you want to give. Right. So do you think this lady maybe, I mean, because it would present the possibility of receiving something maybe encouraging in terms of the BEV that certainly she's not going to get off study. Do you think she maybe would be interested in that? Oh, absolutely. And I've encouraged her to do that. I don't remember off the top of my head, but doesn't her prior mental RT put her out of play? I think so. No trials because of that? Or no, Kevin? No, I don't know the answer to whether it disqualifies her, but I would venture to say this woman doesn't have a normal myocardium, even 21 years later, and I would... Would you stay away from an anthracycline? I absolutely would. What would you be thinking? TC in some amount would be our standard approach to someone with prior mental radiation therapy. What do you think about the possibility of putting that, maybe not just this patient, but what do you think about these adjuvant BEV trials? Well, I think it's the most interesting research question in adjuvant therapy we have available to us because it provides the potential for improving the outlook for patients like this, not like this particular woman, but for patients with triple negative cancers about whom we've become kind of collectively discouraged. It's probably the clinical trial that we expend the most energy trying to enroll patients on. But this particular patient, whether her mental radiation therapy disqualifies her or not, I just would Julie, be anything- very, very skittish about giving her adriamycin. Anything new in terms of systemic therapy for triple negative tumors? You've heard kind of whiffs about platinums, whiffs about EGFR inhibitors. There are studies out there encouraging, not encouraging, in between. You've already alluded to some of the more interesting areas of research interest, the platinum agents in the ER-negative, PR-negative, HER2-negative population, the EGFR-targeted therapies. I think Judy Garber at the Dana-Farber presented a very interesting preoperative trial of just cisplatin with an unexpectedly high pathologic complete response rate in triple-negative patients, but a very small number of patients. The PARP inhibitors are an interesting class of drugs that are involved in inhibiting DNA repair and maybe particularly of benefit in the BRCA1 mutation carriers, BRCA2. There's studies going on in just unselected triple negatives that aren't gene mutation carriers, too. Skip? I just commented on a poster last year at San Antonio, and I think it was from the Seattle Cancer Alliance, about the triple negative group that was extremely low risk by standard characteristics, less than a centimeter, and the rate of relapse in that group. Do you remember that poster? I mean, it was a follow-up of triple negative patients that were less than a centimeter, so they weren't treated, and they came from this historical database. And it was interesting. I mean, the rate of relapse was remarkably high, you know, 20% having relapse with very small tumors out at three to five years.